Hi, my name is Nicole J. Georges. I'm a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist staying in Los Angeles, California with my half-blind chihuahua, Panyo Georges. <coughs> this is our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice on tokenism, sobriety, and post-election despair with Michelle T. Stay tuned. Michelle T. is the co-founder of Sister Spit, an author of many books, including Black Wave, The Mermaid in Chelsea Creek, Rent Girl, Valencia, and The Chelsea Whistle. She joined us from her home in Los Angeles to give special post-election advice. We were joined about 30 minutes in by her sleepy post-nap baby Atticus. Enjoy. Michelle, it's it's 1.25 p.m. <laughs> Damn it. Welcome to Sagittarian Matters. So happy to be here. You've been sleeping this whole time. <laughs> yeah, right. You've been sleeping for weeks. I have to tell you something. Our president is... No! <laughs> Michelle, I was at your house on election night. I know We you haven't were. talked about this. We haven't. I've talked, haven't about, talked it. about it. Other, I mean, other people on the podcast have told me where they were, and I've been saying, oh, I was at Michelle's house. It's like the new like 9-11 moment or something, right? Where it's were you like, when JFK was shot? Yeah, where were you like when the towers came down? Where were you when Michael Jackson died? Now this. I was at your house. Yeah. You were having a big party. Yeah. There were adults and kids, and people were running around having a great time. I know. It was really festive because there were so many kids, so it's like hard. Like Things just feel festive when there's like children running around. Yeah. Honestly, I um, was blindsided. Like, I just didn't think that a country that elected Obama two years, two elections in a row, was capable of electing Trump. So I was being a little, I guess I was a little cocky. Like, I made, I made, a, I carved a pumpkin to look like Trump with, like, his orange hair um, and had him barfing guacamole. And, um, which I thought was really funny. I thought it was funny, too. The Trumpkin. The Trumpkin. And then... And then the, the, my first friend who showed up is a, a very hyper-intelligent woman, and she was so... Her face was, like, drawn. Like, she was just, like, pale. She was so upset and anxious. And I was just like, it's cool. It's going to be fine. Like, no. Relax. He's, he's not going to... I don't think he's going to win. Like, and she just was like... I don't know. She was like she was like the Greek Cassandra, you know? She just, like, knew walking in that we were doomed. And then we just saw her just... I don't know. I I was mostly I was largely in the room with the kids, and then I would occasionally peep out, and my sister was here, and she'd be like, had just finished like giving people a pep talk of like figuring out like the the two ways in which like he would lose, you know, yeah. and then like making people feel a little bit better, and then those things like did not come to pass, and then I trusted your sister. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I who I, I still don't know. Like he didn't win. I mean, he didn't win the popular vote. Yeah. You know? So I guess that's something that could possibly be um, a bomb to our shredded psyches. But um, What did you tweet that night? Oh, I tweeted that I felt like it was like four in the morning and I was crashing from speed. Because that's how it felt. Like I'd been watching the TV for too long. I felt 
bad. Like, everything felt bad. Like, I had felt good, and now I felt really bad. Yeah. And, I like, people were around me. It felt, like, much later. Like, it was just a very much, like, drug binge. Like, everyone, you could feel everyone else's vibes. Like, they were anxious, and kind of everyone's, like, jonesing for something, like, to, for for a new piece of news that would yeah. make this news go away, but yeah. there was not that was not coming, and it felt like just like sketchy and sweaty. Yeah, yeah. I it thought did. if it I felt st- bad, I thought if I stayed here long enough, staring at the TV, it would be different. You were the last one to leave. Was I thought you were gonna just fall asleep crying on the couch, and we yeah. would cover you with a little afghan. <laughs> I just, I really thought I was like using magical thinking. I was like, if I just watch this. It'll be different because there are, you know, some, the, the right thing will happen. Yeah. I just need to keep watching it. It's like when you're starving, you keep going into your fridge being like, that chocolate thing is going to pop up from the back. Yeah, like and I know that something else should be here. Yeah. No. And then, and, the then only, was, and then you keep opening the fridge and it's just Trump every time. It's tr- it's hey, Trump. Hey, hey, trying to grab my pussy. Then I have to <laughs> slam the refrigerator door closed. <laughs> I came up on you like a bitch. <laughs> Hi, Nicole and Michelle. I have a question about tokenism. I'm a transgender male, and in my work and in life in general, I sometimes feel like the token trans guy, and that I'm only included as part of a need for diversity and not for what skills or experience I can bring to the table, or even that I may be just a cool person. Do you feel like being a token anything is always bad, or can it sometimes be a positive thing? Do you have any advice on maybe how to not feel shitty about being tokenized? Thanks, you're both great. I felt his pain in his voice. The, the token the trans, trans man? Yeah, his pain, like, I could feel it, like, in my heart chakra. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, here's the weird, gross, complicated thing. I mean, you don't, it's like, it's like you never want to be the only one in the room, right? Like, you want to have others of your kind around you. Um, but depending on where, what this if it's work if it's like whatever social or or employment situations happening like you just might be the only one they know and if people are feeling like diversity is important then they're thinking that it's important that you're there and you have to know that the reason you're there at all is because like you're qualified you're cool you're awesome like you're capable you know like like the reason why you're anywhere is because you you've already fit the bill for whatever people are shopping for. Um, and then on top of that, you are the diversity cherry on the top of the cake. And it's just like this weird thing where it's like you want you want people to value diversity and bring in like, you know, people who represent like the true fabric of the world. And then um, sometimes their reach isn't very far and you're it. Is this even helpful? This seems How helpful. is this helpful? I mean, I've been in that situation where I'm like the only girl in a reading or certainly the only queer person in a reading. And it's like, yeah, I'm the only girl slash queer person they know that, that was available that night. Like, maybe they just did the crappy thing where they're like, oh, God, we just booked this reading full of white guys. And we just realized that we need somebody who's like not a cisgendered white guy. And we only have one slot left. And I got it. And I do think that it's better than not being included because you still get to show up and shine and be awesome and make whatever personal inroad for yourself you get to make by being, you know, on a committee or in a position of, you know, where you're getting attention or respect or money or whatever, whatever the situation might be. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. God, I mean, I, I definitely, I think you have to, you have to be kind of brave. Yeah. And steal yourself. I mean, because yeah. there, 
there have been times where I'm the only one, like, the only queer person. And there is the annoyance of, like, you know that all the straight people around you are patting themselves on the back. Right. Being like, look at what we did. It's like you brought one queer person in. Like, you do not get to pat yourself yeah. on the back. Look who's here. <laughs> well, or people will be like, well, we, we don't have a diversity problem. You're here. That is a whole different issue. That's, that's different really issue. awful. Yeah, that's a whole different issue. If these people are patting themselves on the back and thinking, like, everything's cool because, like, you're there, then you have a problem. And I guess maybe you need to become even braver than you already are and talk to them. But, like, I know that by me being there, I am opening the door or wedging it open for other people like me. Yeah. That's where the bravery comes in. Because, totally. like, you go and you're like, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. To be, maybe you feel unsafe or maybe, like, you can't speak freely or whatever, but then you know that you're... You're opening the door and setting a good example for other people like yourself. Totally. You didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. Because people don't give a, sh- a lot of people don't give a shit about diversity. Yeah, totally. So I feel like it's cool if people are like, are, are thinking about these things, you know, and, um, and if you're like their, their first effort, then maybe, I don't know, maybe it will grow and get better and you'll find yourself in a position in the future where you're not the only person. I mean, I have to say, as far as friend groups go... That's so that's a little like, weirder. That's in a work situation. I know with friend groups, it's a little bit weirder. Like, I, I had a friend who she would refer to herself as the rent-a-gay when she could tell that, like, groups of straight white indie people were inviting her because she was, like, a visibly butch gay person. Uh-huh. So then they could all be like, see? Like, it's Benetton. Like, that's gross. Well, yeah. that's gross. If you really... I mean, I guess you have to take a good look at the people you're hanging out with and, like... What are your interactions with them like? Like, what do you guys have a true bond? Do you bond on things that you have in common? Are they kind people? Like, if you feel like you're being used, that's gross. Like, are you getting something out of it? Like, yeah. With the work thing, you're getting something out of it, which is money and professional advancement. Yeah. With friends, are you getting anything out of this or do you just feel bad? Like, do the cost benefit analysis. Like, totally. I feel most comfortable in groups of queer people or yeah. groups of feminists that understand. That stuff. That's where I feel the most comfortable. Yeah. Of all the things. Um, so I don't really like hanging out in giant groups of just straight people where I'm the only gay person. Yeah. Like sometimes professionally, I'm like, cool, because we have something else in common, like comics. Yeah. But ultimately, I would like to retreat to my chamber of yeah, peers. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I'm looking at preschools right now for my son, and the preschools that I'm looking at mainly... Um, do care, or at least give a lip service to caring about diversity, and I'm totally working my gayness. Like, I said, I'm, like, sending my partner, who is more, like, gender variant and visibly queer, being like, you go, you have to go, because I'm just gonna look like another lady, but you go, and they'll know we're a queer family, and we'll be their token queer family. But this is just, like, this is just the sad desperation that happens when you're when you're queer, and you have to figure out how to claw your way into the world. Um, so sometimes I guess it's not that bad. Um, but remember that you are there because you're qualified. You're yeah. good enough to be there. This is your due. Like, you might, like, you know, I just feel like, like, gay people and trans people and feminine people have been, like, stepped on by the patriarchy for so long. Yeah. That now if there's a door that's open artificially or not, I'm like, right. fucking get it. Yeah, totally. Get the resources. Totally, totally, totally. Because like, guess what? Like, like, like. What, like white guys, cisgendered white guys who like whether or not they have any talent at all have been pulling each other up through the ranks since time immemorial. Yeah, you know. And so if you're getting, if this is just trying to even that score. I mean, look what's happening in the government. All of the biggest posts are being filled by people who have had no experience. Like, like what queer person, trans person, woman would be 
like given this opportunity and be like, oh God, I don't know. I mean, I've never actually served in government before. I don't know that I can take it on. Yeah. These dudes just rush in and they're just like, I can do it. I can do anything. I'm, I'm a great, great big cisgendered white man. I'll do it all, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, and, and that's how the whole world has been run forever. So like, don't assume that the other people there are qualified and that that's right. why they have those jobs. Totally. Like if you're a trans person or a queer person and you've been told you're less than forever and you walk into a room and you see a bunch of cisgendered straight white people and you're like, oh, they must all be so much more qualified than me. That's why they're here. No. No. They could be there for nepotism. They could be there because they looked like the kind of person totally. that that person thought would do a good job. You just look a little different. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. And... You're fine. Yeah, you know, I was there was this Tanasi Coates. Did I say his name right? I don't know. All right. He was like, here's here's a good way to think about racism. Like Obama had to be the best at everything and so smart and like the like president of the Harvard Review and a lawyer and like a constitutional scholar right. to be president. Yeah. And Donald Trump just had to be a straight white guy. Like yeah. a rich white guy. Totally. So like think about that trans yeah. person, like and yeah. it's just everything and, else. And like, everyone knows that. Like every and everyone is everybody who is like on the outskirts. We all know that. We always have to give everything 150. percent So you should just know that you are so far ahead of anybody that you're in the room with because you've had to be your whole life. We, you've like, had to that's work, just how it is. Yeah. You've had to work so hard in the wrong gender, mm. and then you've probably had to work so hard. You know, like just. Yeah. There's so many things you have to go through as a queer person and probably as a trans person. I was so psyched you got this opportunity. I'm psyched for you that you're the token. I don't care that it's a token. I hope, I mean, I do care because I wish there were like five other trans people in there with you, but I'm happy for you right now that you are just like being pulled up and being pulled into some situation that I just think is probably going to be good for you. So just work it. You can excel in this situation. Yeah, excel and then just like make a space to bring more people in. And they're going to be like, oh, maybe we should have an entirely trans staff. Right. Because this person did such a great job working here yes but that's i mean i've worked in places where i was tokenized and that's why i got chosen and then i got overlooked for a bigger position by a straight white guy who was less qualified than me and so i know how that feels and it feels because if it's not coming from an honest place then it's not going to it's not truly like revolutionary or truly trying to level a playing field it's Mm -hmm. just trying to make somebody feel good about themselves so but even me being there for a second helped open the door for other people to be like oh i could go do that too Totally. So, I don't know. Tell the people that they need to bring in like six more trans people. Yeah. You know? Go to HR and be like, you know, I really feel more comfortable if there are like six other trans people here. <laughs> Here's some phone numbers yeah. of people I know who are qualified. Totally. How do you get through the next four years under Trump if you're an alcoholic in recovery and queer and you can't drink? I really think... I, I say this as an alcoholic in recovery who hasn't gone to a meeting in like a million years. So um, I think that... We need to have, like, meetings that are just totally, like, AA or whatever, Al-Anon, whatever your jam is, gambling, snorting the cocaine. Deading. Deading, whatever your, whatever, whatever your vice is. We need sex. to have meetings, sex, love, that are just about, like, surviving Trump. Like, I think that would be amazing, because I have heard two different anecdotes about people, actually three different anecdotes I have heard about people going to recovery meetings and sharing about the very real trauma and survival fears that are coming up from what's happening in our government and getting like shamed by other people that it's somehow inappropriate to talk about the the completely legitimate trigger to our our problems that the Trump presidency is. So I think we need to have like specific Trump 
Trump-themed recovery meetings where it's like a safe space. No one's going to get all like, sorry, the personal is not, the political is not personal, you know, only talk about, like, I don't know, your alcoholic father. That's okay. We can't talk about Trump. You know That's I ridiculous. got shamed for mentioning the election I know you're somewhere. one of these people. I know. It I, was horrifying I mean, and traumatic. And it, it had happened so early on when I was, like, I didn't have it all, even a little bit of a scab over my wound. I felt like I felt that for you when, that, when you texted me that information. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is, like, wrong. I mean, like, there are very few safe spaces in the world. And recovery, I get it. It's not always safe space. I've heard completely offensive things in recovery meetings. I get it. You know, everyone there is is a damaged person in some, at some, you know, level of kind of recuperating their humanity. So you never know what you're going to hear. But um, but that, I do think of it as a safe space. And, and at least a place where I can come and say what I need to say to get off of, out of my brain so that I can become a serene person. And I just think it's insane that you couldn't share about the government. Like, how far does the government need to go before it's acceptable to share about it in AA? When you're like, so my best friend just got taken to the camp. I mean, really, it was like, how bad does it need to get? It's like, this is this is real. This is a real problem. And, you know, I heard somebody else post on the internet about hearing somebody say something, somebody in a meeting feel very emboldened to say something horrible about gay people in mm-hmm. regards to Trump's election and then I had some people come talk to me after when I was in Portland after a talk about how it hasn't felt good for them in their spaces. And I was like, this is just horrible. And I, you know, the, the thing that's happened about with, like, we're getting so off the cuff here. We're getting off subject. This person needs to know how to make it. Do you have any tips? Like, what? Like so what I've been doing, well, I don't know, what are your, do you have any tips to stay sober during these times? I'm, I mean, I am sober. That's Knock. me knocking on wood. Knock on I wood. am sober right now, even though I don't have a sponsor. I've been to a meeting in a million years, um, but I am still in it. And I have drinking dreams every single night. Really and amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> every night, every night I dream I'm wasted and I can't find my cigarettes. <laughs> I can't find my purse. I can't find my cigarettes, and I'm drunk. Um, but I, what what I'm doing is I'm I'm getting a lot of energy out of all of the things that other people are doing. Like people are posting. Everything, everywhere about like, do this, call this, tweet about this, you know, like, like come to this like web talk, like all this, all this stuff, like volunteer here, donate there. So I'm just saying yes to as many things as possible. Like I've donated money. I volunteered at a soup kitchen. I had plan. I'm going to do that again. It was an amazing experience. I'm going to, um, I had Planned Parenthood come to my house and talk to my mom's group about like what they need. Like, um, you know, I've marched when there's a march, um, I just think that look around your community, see what people are doing. I mean, honestly, be of service. Like, that's what we always do in the program, right? It's like when we are torn up with our own self-centered fear, even if it's a very legitimate self-centered fear, like the Trump presidency is going to destroy all I hold dear, when we're stuck in that fear, all we can do is be of service. So be of service to the world that you want to see grow around you. You know, like, look around. Everyone needs help. Like, like I'm going to go drop off old clothes to like queer homeless youth shelter this weekend. Like there's something in your community. All communities need help. Figure out what kind of help your community needs. And then you can be around like-minded people. You can know that you're doing something um, to stop thinking about yourself for a minute and to stop thinking about this horrible presidency and just think about, you know, building community and helping being a human being, helping other human beings. That's what I'm doing. Can we talk about something that is a little bit like that? It's the, 
or this is kind of different, but the idea of the piece of shit in the center of the universe. I feel like I've heard Mark Maron talk about that before. Oh, like, yeah. Like, but, like, the idea that somebody, like, people can, like, get so into self-hatred. Yeah. Or, like, self-deprecation. Yeah. That then they actually turn into a huge narcissist. Yeah. Just, like, like vanity smurf, but, like, emo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, emo. Yeah. Like, but so then, like, instead of being of service or reaching outside of themselves or being able to hear other people or listen to other people, they're just so... Consumed with their own misery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether... I'm not saying that you're doing this, caller, at all. But you're just, definitely doing it. <laughs> no, you're I don't think you are. I think it's a very valid question. I think everyone's asking yeah. that same question. Alcoholics just have this additional thing at stake, which yeah. is I don't want to ruin my sobriety over this. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole idea of the piece of shit at the center of the universe, it's like, it doesn't matter whether you're just sort of like taking up all the space in the room talking about like how rad your life is, or if you're taking up all the space in the room talking about how shitty your life is, like you're just still taking up all the space in the room and it's, and you need to just figure out a way to stop thinking about yourself so much. Yeah. 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 And, and you're, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. You're good enough. Anyway, that was all. I just okay. never heard anybody talk about that. Yeah. I feel like I encounter it all the time. Right? It's with a people real thing. who are like, I'm so depressed. But then the fact, the fact that they're depressed, they think, insulates. And the fact that they hate themselves, they think, insulates themselves from narcissism. Right. But then you're actually like, no. Right. Or that they hate themselves, like, it, it's like they somehow don't have to take responsibility for, like, the shitty things that they've done. Like, they've paid a toll because they hate themselves. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just, like, apologizing and learning how to be a good person, they've decided to pay their debt by just taking up all the space in the room talking about how horrible they are. Yeah. It's awful because then you, any normal human being's first instinct is to then console and comfort this emotional vampire. And then before you know it, you've like wasted a chunk of your life trying to reassure <laughs> this person that they're, that they're good. Yeah. You know, it's horrible. And then horrible. you're like, the call's actually coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing any of us could have done. No. No. I just feel, um, helpless. I'm a social worker and therapist, and also I'm a queer femme creature trying to navigate this shit show that is our world. I'm from the SF Bay Area, but living on the East Coast. I find myself reeling and weeping and compartmentalizing and unhealthy coping lately with, uh, with everything. My work hours consist of ensuring other people get access to care, my personal time is spent just completely crushed and devastated and not even knowing how to care for myself. I think it's harder because I'm so far from my people that I, I really don't even know who to turn to anymore. I'm socially awkward as fuck, so on the phone is not an option. It broke as fuck too, so visiting is also out of the question for now. I want to commiserate with my community about Trump, Aleppo, go ship and everything else right now to get strength from them and give it back and also get more from the process of giving. It's different with friends than with clients, so while I do everything I can at work, I'm still just myself, alone with myself at the end of the day. I feel like I've been fucking brutalized and I'm not strong enough or hard enough for this world. I've been strong enough to rise to so many occasions, but I'm not feeling that right now. What can I do? Oh my god, everyone's killing me. Who's taking care of the caretaker? She needs a dog. 
No, she does not need a dog. She needs a golden retriever. Don't, don't. You're just gonna be scooping that animal's shit. You don't need to scoop up any more shit. I, I disagree. You I'm a petless your so- person. Your social service money to get someone to scoop that. For Listen, you. if there's any extra social service money you have, use it to get a sliding scale massage stat. Like I think that you need to sit down with a piece of paper and you need to make a big list of like self-care activities, large and small, and you need to just do one of them a day for yourself, okay? Um, these things can include a bath. Pour a bunch of olive oil, I mean, um, um, coconut oil into a bath. I did that recently. Coconut oil in a oh bath? Oh my God, it's amazing. Your skin is so soft and coconutty afterwards, and it did the extra trick of cleaning my tub in a way it's never been cleaned before. It was sparkling white afterwards. It was so weird. Did you just scrub the oil out of it? Well, I just was like, I had to because I didn't want to slip on it. So I had to clean it out a little bit afterwards. And it was like, I had this rubber placemat, not placemat, but you know, so you don't fall. And it was discolored forever, kind of. Yeah. And it just made it, it took all the discoloration off of it. But anyway, this this isn't hints from Halloween. This this is why, maybe this is why oil pulling works so well. It's cleaning your gums that same way. It is, yeah. I'm going to go home and oil pull and put it in my hair and my nail beds. Yeah. And then use it as lube and take a bath and use it as scrub my skin. Stop it. Okay, listen, speaking of lube, give yourself a nice orgasm. That could be nice. Even if you feel exhausted at the end of the day and you're just like, I don't have time for this. Just like, at the end of it, you'll be glad you did. You're always glad you did. That's the thing about masturbating. Get a You're magic always wand. glad you did it. I never, I never regret masturbating. Never, never ever. Um, so okay, baths, masturbating, treats. What are little treats you can make for yourself? You know, I find that cooking is very soothing. I can kind of get like lost in it in a sort of meditative way. So maybe that would be a nice calming thing that kind of you know connects you to some sort of like serene parts of your brain and then after you get to eat like chocolate chip cookies or something which is really nice so baking something nice for yourself um go to that support group yeah i mean i can't recommend a recovery program how come i, I can promote a recovery program but i can't no, no, just attract I can, not I can attract a you're recovery trapped. program you're so, you know, Eleanor looks so good on you, Nicole. It's like so super much. attractive. Thank you it's so really, much. Really I, can't, I can't promote it, but I mean, I just think like, like I've been isolated before in phone meetings or like going to like in-person support groups mm-hmm. with other people. You're like, I have nothing in common with these people. They're not queer. They're yeah. not my age. They're not anything, but they've all got problems and we've all got the same problem. Yeah. And that has been really helpful to me and bolstered me when I'm like, in a dark spot and I'm isolated yeah at the same time and it's free yes there's free support yes. groups free support groups especially if you can't afford therapy because you are a therapist yeah I don't know um I think that you can do little spells for yourself to make you feel better figure out like do you want to feel like you have more strength of heart do you want to feel like you have tougher skin do you want to feel like you're have have more control of your emotions. I don't know what exactly feels right for you, but think about it and like light a candle and do a really simple candle spell. All you need to do is just like sit with a candle, light it, put your intention out to the universe. Like I intend to not let these motherfuckers, you know, take all of my beautiful spirit away, you know, like do a protective spell, uh, do a protective spell. That's what you should do. Is um, let me shit all over you. Um, I I think a protective spell would maybe be really helpful because I think I think that you need to w- kind of um, ward off all of these horrible and very real vibes so that you can help fight them. You know, like 
there's a real thing. Oh my God, was that my baby? Yeah. My baby just called mama. Um, I'm going to have to go run and get him in one second. But, um, I also think, I know that you said that you're socially awkward. I hear you, but it might be a moment where you have to push your, your comfort level there and reach out to people. Like maybe you want to start a Trump support group. There's got to be other people around you. The country did not elect him. He did not win the popular vote. Chances are there are people in your community that are really upset about this also. And if you can't spot them easily, maybe do a Trump support group and see who shows up. Oh, my God, I have to get my baby. Go get your baby. I'll keep advising. advising. So another thing I think, yeah, I think that you should push yourself and call your friends, even if you're not good at it or you don't want to. Um, Something else is... There's something on Facebook that Michelle and I just joined that was called a Secret Sister Gift Exchange. Um, consider if you could get involved in some kind of uh, chain like that. It's like it's like a, a mail chain, but it's gifts. And you are sending a gift to one person, and then you're getting like ten gifts from different feminists or queer people. Is that something that you could start with your friends who you're far away from so that you remember that they love you? Uh, maybe like letters or gifts or cards or a drawing or a note or something? That's what I think you should do. I also think you should get a golden retriever now that Michelle's not here because I think he could offer you a lot of love. I know when I've been isolated in different places, Ponyo, my dog, has been my best friend. And sometimes it feels weird because she's not a human and she doesn't speak English that well. But um, I do really find a lot of support and comfort in her sweet face. And also, I I can't read the news that much right now because I have no control over it. Um, I have no control over it, so it just drives me crazy. So you're also welcome to limit the amount of news that you take in. Um, You could even deconnect from every device and only text your one best friend and tell them you don't want to know anything about anything because you're doing a detox for a week. Oh, one other suggestion is can you Skype with people? You said you're awkward on the phone. Maybe Skype is even more awkward, or maybe it's not because, like, I mean, though Skype is so awkward, but at least everybody's awkward. It's, like, inherently awkward, so you can just embrace it. But um, it seems like you might just have to push yourself a tiny bit to reach out to those people that you're not close to right now while simultaneously building a closeness with the people around you who are also in similar spirits so you can support each other. I was saying, also, the person is welcome to do a news blackout on themselves. I mean, I Oh yeah. Honestly, sure. there's so much new stuff and I have I'm applying this like I have no control over it. Yeah. You know, there are some things I have control over like I can make those phone calls and send right. those emails and share a few posts. Yeah. But other than that, I'm kind of useless right now. Yeah. I'm not going to stop some of the huge things that are happening. Yeah, totally. Um and so you can as a form of self-care just isolate yourself, insulate yourself in something good or different or escapist. Yes. For periods of time. Yes. And then, you know what? Don't worry. There's plenty of despair to go around. So when you come back... <laughs> It'll all be here waiting for you. It'll all be here waiting for but you. But really, make a pledge to yourself to do one nice thing for yourself a day. Even if it's like a stupid affirmation or something. Just like, do something to value yourself. Um, because you're important. And, you know, I think part of what is so um, soul-crushing about everything that's happening is that it's like this giant message to so many of us that we're not important. And it's like, you know, how do you, how do you sit with that at the end of the day? But I think it's really important for us to not only just like reach out to all the people in our community who are also affected by this and just affirm like, no, you do count and I care about you, but to also put all that energy on yourself too. Because if you're all burnt out and feeling like shit, you're not, you know, you're just, you're not going to be able to 
to be part of this giant fight we're all going to have to be in now. Yeah. I agree. So we need you, queer femme animal. Yeah, creature. Queer femme creature. Stay strong. Yeah, stay strong. Um, Michelle, what would you do if you found out your husband was getting hand jobs at a massage parlor? Oh my parlor? god, Nicole. <laughs> you're so funny. I was telling Nicole, there's a, um, there's a mom's, a mom's um, online group that I am part of, and that was someone's problem today, was that they found out their husband was getting hand jobs um, in a massage parlor. When she, when they have an eleven-week-old baby, and she's been having sex with this monster, so it's not even like, hey, I just have this incredible sex drive, and I just absolutely need, you know, a hand other than my own to like jerk my dick off. He's um, bio- he biologically needs to have eight hours of sleep, unlike her. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. God. This was this woman's problem. She did not ask it to Sagittarian matters. She didn't. I just thought we needed a bit of levity. Oh, God. I, I think I would be annoyed, and then at the end of the day, I think it wouldn't really matter. He's not going to, like, have a second family with someone who gave him a hand job. But I right. Would be, but I would be annoyed that I was I staying annoyed. that I was staying home taking care of his child while he was getting an HJ without yeah. telling me. I would just be like, oh, God, our priorities are so... Like, we are not on the same page right now. Like, really? Like, what's going on? Like, you're, you're, like, you're, your sexual fulfillment is not that important. Yeah. Like, it's just not. Yeah. You know? Like, oh my God. Yeah. That would, it would, um, it's not so much that I would feel sort of, like, betrayed or anything like that. I would just be like, I hope you tipped really well. And also, like, you're kind of a jerk. Like, what are you doing? It would yeah. just be the same if, like, you're you're struggling at home. Like, this poor woman is just struggling at home with this new baby, and her husband's out getting, like, Swedish massages every night. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that also would just be kind of like, what are you doing going out and pam- giving yourself extra pampering right now while your partner is super struggle city? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, because, like, she's probably not getting any sleep. She's having to take care of somebody 24 hours a day. Yeah. It seems stressful. <sighs> yeah, I would, I would be like, I'm annoyed. Yeah. Frankly, I'm annoyed. Yeah. All the women responding were really great. And there was just, like, a general, like, men are disgusting. Like, everyone just, like, you know, straight women don't get enough credit for their man-hating. You know, it's like... They hate men so much more than any queer person I've ever met. totally. And they're enacting it on them all the time. Yeah, totally. Totally. But wait, what? The straight women were... No, just, they're just like, oh, men are disgusting. And just, like, just, I feel for straight women. They can't help that they're straight, you know? And then they're stuck with these monsters. It's, like, hard. It's hard for them. (laughs) Michelle, anything that you want people to do or go to or ways to support you or anything you care about? Yeah, actually, go to Feminist Press online right now and make a donation to Drag Queen Story Hour. Um, Drag Queen Story Hour is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of drag queens reading uh, progressive-slash-radical children's literature to kids. And it's awesome because kids just see drag queens and they just see these beautiful, glamorous, crazy creatures. And kids and queer people have been you know, separated by various homophobic, queerphobic taboos for so long. It's like this really beautiful healing thing for everybody involved to just be in a room filled with kids and drag queens, reading stories and making crafts together. And um, I started this, um, it was my last my last project at Radar in San Francisco. Um, and so, so the folks at Radar are carrying it on in San Francisco and it moved to Brooklyn. The Brooklyn is a Park Slope Public Library, has a regular... Um, Drag Queen Story Hour that's managed by Feminist Press. And I'm starting one here in Los Angeles with, with my friend Michael Roybal Gonzalez. We're going to do it. And so um, this is a 
fundraiser that's happening right now on Kickstarter to help fund all three. What? This is salt. It's, it's like the pink salt in the bathroom. It's salt. And also you're going to put out these uh, survival guides through Feminist Press yes. next year. Yes. I have a, um, an imprint at Feminist Press called Amethyst Editions. And we're going to do a series of feminist survival guides where we talk to people who have special knowledge of different, um, just sort of different, like, um, things like, I don't know, for... Making art during fascism. Yeah, we're going to have, like, an artist survival guide that's written by somebody who helps radical and queer artists. Um, Beth Pickens, who was on the podcast last week. Yes, she's going to do one. We're going to have Virgie Tovar do a body pause, um survival guide um and i'm talking with other people uh, it's not set yet so i can't i can't say it but basically the idea is um this new regime is affecting so many people and i want to talk to a lot of those people who are being thoughtful and feeling this pain and and figure out what they're doing also to um to get through it and how we can all help each other so these survival guides will be kind of partly personal narrative um part self-help self-care Part um, practical information, part, part manifesto. So I'm excited about them. I'm excited about them. Thanks for being on the podcast, yeah, Michelle. Yeah, sure. You still talking about feminist stuff while comforting a baby makes me feel very 70s. <laughs> like we're like a 70s feminist compound. If only just, he, I was still breastfeeding him, it would have been were, perfect. If you were breastfeeding him during our talk and you're like, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> That would be amazing. I went to Disneyland the other day. Yeah. I really highly recommend Disneyland for those who have um, proximity and can afford it. Like, it's a definitely a good thing to do to forget that we live in a horrible fascist regime. Um, yeah. But I was there, and there's a lady in line for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, just fully breastfeeding her kid, like, standing in the line. Yeah. Nursing. It was amazing. Can we all hide at Disney? Will you scope out places for all the queer people to hide at Disneyland <laughs> when the people come around us up? There's a little grotto to the left of the castle yeah. that I think might work. I'm going to tell my immigrant neighbors yes. and then buy them passes. We'll have a Kickstarter so you can buy people passes to Disneyland so they can hide in there. Yes. Oh, my God. We need to start a change.org. Um, hold on, baby. We have to We have to start a, um, a petition to make Disneyland a sanctuary city. Maybe Celebration, Florida, can be a sanctuary city. Oh Wait, is Celebration here? No, it's in Florida. It's in Florida? Celebration is going to be the place where we're all going to hide, because I think it might be a sovereign nation. Listen, I'd love to keep talking about all of this, but my son can't find his nanny. Oh, yeah. So Sorry. Peace out. <laughs> Bye. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by... Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you this week for extra help from Lucia Fasano, Eli Bishop, and Nadia Boyce.